He's a retired police officer. He was shot in the neck in the line of duty, severely injured. He was in such bad shape that he died multiple times and had to be revived and resuscitated by medical teams. Reports are he had 33 units of blood given to him during the procedures. And then, after recovering, he was physically unable to return to police work. But his battles continue on. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. I want to tell you about a product, actually a line of products, that have changed my life dramatically. Health products. I know many of you like me are skeptical about claims made for these nutritional supplements. However, these Juice Plus products have made a world of difference for me. The simplest cheapest, least expensive product they have. As a result of taking it, a chewable berry flavored product. I've had full night's sleep every night and zero leg cramps. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but getting good night's sleep and having a stable mood helps me quite a bit. You can get more details about Juice Plus products at letpops.com. That's letpops.com. And for those of you looking for a great business opportunity, check out letpops.com. Joining us from Georgia, we have Timothy Sterrett on the phone. Timothy is a retired Forest Park, Georgia police officer. And I'll explain the difference between retired, former ex and all that in a moment. Uh, he was shot in the neck, almost died. As a matter of fact, he died multiple times. And a medical treatment team was able to resuscitate him, revive him. Reports are he had 33 units of blood. He was severely injured. And uh, his battles with the, the department and the city continued after that. Timothy, first of all, thanks for your service. Secondly, thanks for being guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Very much appreciated. I greatly appreciate you being on the show. Well, it is an honor and privilege to have you here. And we talked a little bit beforehand. And the, the fact that you're live and talking and we can have a conversation with you is not lost on me. You you are a classic example of a walking, talking miracle. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah. and, and But your battles have, still continue. And, and before we get into... Timothy's story. I want people to understand this. When I use it, there's, there's very few things I correct people about when it comes to policing. If someone calls me ex-police, I correct them all the time. Say, no, that's retired. Uh, you have retired police. That means either you have a pension, you did a full tour, you got retired early due to medical reasons, whatever it might be. Like my case was line of duty injury. Timothy's was as well. And it doesn't necessarily mean you got a pension, but you should. Former means right. officers left of their own accord for whatever reason. Uh, and X means usually you were let go under less than favorable circumstances or resigned under scrutiny. So when someone calls me X, I always correct them. And I'm referred to you as a, re- a retired police officer. Yep, I can definitely agree with that. Well, before we get into your story, I did read an, a news article. At 11alive.com, you can do a, a quick Google search for Timothy Sterrett. It's spelled S-T-E-R-R-E-T-T. 
and you'll find this. He was a Forest Park, Georgia police officer who was shot in the neck. And according to the news article, you were passed over for a line of duty disability pension because your department didn't offer those. Am I correct? You are very much. Here's the thing that gets to me, Tim. That and is it all right if I call you Tim, or do you prefer Timothy? Uh, Tim's fine. All right. My wife, Stephanie, the boss, I call her. Uh, I met her years after retiring from police work. She had no idea what a lot of officers like myself went through. How we had to fight tooth and nail for for a pension for retirement, even in cities that had them. It was automatically assumed that they got it and they lived a life of leisure, which has not been the case. But you worked for an agency that didn't even offer that. Am I correct? You are. Do they still not offer line of duty injured in line of duty medical pensions? <clears throat> Last I checked, they don't. Um, they, it's the. I just recently did that article with Eleven Lives less than a year ago, and the city council and the mayor and all of them responded by saying that um, the city does not offer any kind of medical retirement for its officers. So basically, if uh, anything were to happen to a, another officer right now while they're out and about on the streets in the city of Forest Park and they get um, injured to the point where they cannot medically withstand or do the duties of a police officer, they're going to be SOL like I was. Forest Park, Georgia, where is that? Uh, the easiest way to explain that for people who are not familiar with it is if you know where the Atlanta airport is, it is directly on the other side of the interstate from the airport. Uh, so there's 285, which is what everybody calls the Beltline in, um, in the Atlanta area, and 285 circles the downtown metro Atlanta area. And so the city of Forest Park borders the 285. Um, it's kind of considered a metro Atlanta area as well. So it's just directly on the east side of the interstate from the airport, and it is southeast of uh, downtown Atlanta, about 15, 20 minutes. The reason I ask that, Tim, is because you might think that these sort of things occur in small, podunk little towns, backwood towns, uh, which they do, but Forest Park, Georgia, is not in that classification. It is not. But what is the population of Forest Park, Georgia, approximately? Uh, well, it's it's actually substantially growing because um, there is a military base that's still open and operational, um, and it's where they're uh, taking in a lot of the different branches for um, uh, for boot camp and whatnot. And so they've turned the rest of the military base into. Um, Southeast Distribution Center, and they put a lot of warehouses and everything um, out there. So it's brought a lot of jobs and stuff to the city of Forest Park. Um, but I couldn't give you a number right off the top of my head. Okay. I know it is the largest city in Clayton County, which is the uh, um, the county that the city sits in. So it is a it is a predominantly large city. Um, I couldn't give you the population right off the top of my head. That's definitely changed over the last three to four years. So The reason I'm asking this is, again, it's not a, a broke area. It's not an area that, sh- that should not or could not offer this. And for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't. But 
you got retired, was it on workers' compensation or Social Security? What do they do? Uh, well, here in the state of Georgia, they give you, uh, when you go on workers' comp, you only get 65% of your paycheck. Um, and as officers, we all know that outside of our regular pay, we most of us make a living on our part-time jobs. So um, I wasn't getting any of my part-time money for a little bit. Um, so while you're on workers' comp in Georgia, like I said, you get 65%. And um, so I was... Uh, getting that and then getting the they were taking care of my medical while I was going throughout my recovery process alright so uh, I talked with a, a couple of uh, former retired deputy sheriffs in Oklahoma Texarkana Texas and they were put out after being severely shot almost killed they were put out on social security and most of them had to declare bankruptcy and sell their house and, and move their family to somewhere else. Is that a fair assessment for you or are you doing okay? I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm still digging myself out of debt from the time that I was out with um, the PD. Um, I'm able to work remote jobs and I just can't do any type of jobs that are very physical or requiring me to be on my feet for 8 to 12 hours a day. Um, so aside from that, it's, it's, I'm not getting social security or any of that stuff. Um, the way, uh, from my understanding with social security, you got to be considered hundred percent disabled. Um, as of right now, I'm considered 40 to 45% disabled, um, with the lifelong injuries that I've, I've sustained from the shooting and prior injuries from on, on the job, uh, injuries that I've heard uh, that I've had before. And so we are going to take a short break. Uh, we are talking with Timothy Sterrett. When we return, we're talking about what happened. He was shot, and it's a, a horrible story. You'll understand the miracle that he survived and more. It's coming up on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What is the Haunting or Not podcast? It's a free podcast that takes a different approach to ghost stories, hauntings, and cases of demonic forces. Husband and wife podcast hosts mix comedy, facts, and a healthy dose of police evidence skepticism to help you decide. Are these hauntings or not? Helping you decide what's real and what is fake or an overhyped exaggeration. From world-famous cases to lesser-known reports, they talk about them all in the Haunting or Not podcast, available for free on most podcast platforms. Or do a Google search for Haunting or Not podcast. Return a conversation on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show with Timothy Sturt, retired Forest Park, Georgia police officer, shot in the neck, severely injured in the line of duty. Uh, unable to return to police work. The injuries are so severe. He reportedly died three times during medical treatment and was resuscitated. And I, I believe you said, and I read somewhere, Timothy, that you were given 33 pints of blood or 33 units of blood during this entire procedure. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, 33 pints uh, blood out and then some um, trauma surgeon uh, now 35 plus years he also trains navy seal combat medics as well 
told me that I ranked the top five cases in his entire career that he'll never forget that I'm a legit walking miracle. You are. You are a legit walking miracle. And I'm sure sometimes you realize that, and I'm sure sometimes you may not. I don't. Um, I, I'm definitely a person that believes in a higher power and believes in the, the universe. And um, the man upstairs wasn't ready for me yet. And I still have a purpose on this earth to serve and uh, still, still figuring that out. And you sound like you're still a young guy. I am. I'm 36. That that's very young, dude. I can I can't even really remember being 36 anymore. It's a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the incident. Uh, you were a police officer in Forest Park, Georgia. Uh, what happened? So it um, it basically started off. Um, I was on day shift. Our department switches shifts every um, every four months when days and nights. I was on day shift. Um, I was uh, hiding behind a uh, inner city bowling alley because I had just gotten breakfast and I didn't want to be bothered. So um, I went behind the bowling alley so that way I could eat. And then we had gotten a call that a armed man on a motorcycle was driving recklessly up and down the streets without a helmet on. Um, he had already ran from my supervisor once, and so the supervisor lost him, and um, we got a call again um, for the same individual, and he was right. He was in my beat and right around the corner. So I got dispatched to the call, um, and when I got on scene, um, I saw the individual. Walking back from this uh, residence, he went to go get on the motorcycle. I got out with him. I, I just told him, I said, hey, bud, what's going on? Uh, he said, nothing. I'm just trying to um, get home. And at the same time, he was trying to uh, crank the motorcycle. And um, being a motor officer myself, he either three things had happened. He'd ran out of gas. He had one of the toggle switches off or... Um, he just didn't, um, the kickstand wasn't up or whatnot. So he ended up um, not being able to crank the bike. And I told him, I said, hey, man, let's just, uh, let's, um, let's sit down and, and talk about this. And so I reached down and um, assisted with the kickstand to um, pull it all the way out for him so that way he could uh, park the bike. And as soon as he did, he exited off the bike away from me and when he did I just saw his right arm go for the center of his waistband and immediately drew my service weapon gave him the command to show me your hands show me your hands um, he kept fiddling with his waistband and he started walking towards my patrol car at this time um, we drive SUVs here um, in, in our department, um, and so he walked on the passenger side of the patrol car, and I lost visual of him, so I didn't know if he had squatted down or was waiting for me to follow him, so I stood at the aid post on the driver's side and um, and was giving him wild commands to the show me hands come out where I can see you, and then he exited towards the rear of my patrol car and he started walking back towards his house. And so at the same time, on the radio, uh, telling them that I've got an individual that's non-compliant, um, and I'm still giving them the loud verbal commands and everything at this point. 
Um, one of our CSAC guys had just arrived on scene, so he was able to take over radio control to where I can just focus on the individual at hand. Um, and so he was walking up to his house. And I knew he didn't live here because I had just answered a dog nuisance call at this same residence. Um, and all the family members were out about a week ago um, prior to this call. And we were chasing down a child to get back in the house because it, this house sits right down the street from the middle school, by the way. And so a lot of the kids were walking to the school and we were just getting complaints about this child chasing the kids around. So the suspect then goes up to the corner of the house and um, tries to make entry into the side um, the side door. And so um, at this point, I had went up and put my hand across his chest and I said, hey man, this is your house. Um, and then right about that time, I heard a loud pop and uh, that's when he had shot me. And as I was falling to the ground, apparently I got all five shots back and uh, one of the shots did uh, end up striking him. And so as I had fell to the ground, I had blocked out for a few seconds. And when I woke up again, um, he was standing over me with a gun in his right hand. And I uh, very specifically remember it was a uh, silver pistol with a black grip. Um, but he wasn't looking at me. He was looking out at a distance. I found out later my partner had showed up on scene and um, was giving him commands and everything. And um, and it had happened so quick that the suspect then shot my partner and hit my partner in the leg. And it went, um, it shot him in the calf muscle, um, which I found out later. And so right about that time, I started to rise up on my rear end and uh, the suspect then noticed and then turned around and ran towards behind the house. Um, so I ended up sitting on my rear end and I started collecting myself because um, I wasn't 100% sure exactly what had just happened other than the fact that um, I had blocked out. And then uh, as soon as I put my hands on the grass, to kind of readjust myself to get up. And that's when I noticed the blood squirting from my neck. It was going down my arm and into the grass. And so I told myself, I said, all right, I've obviously been hit. And um, as calm and cool and collective of them speaking now is how I remained on scene. And trauma surgeon told me later on, that's eventually what um, one of the three factors that played in um, me still being here today. And wow. so I um, took my right hand and applied pressure to my neck and um, grabbed the pistol with my left hand. And at this point, um, I'm pretty ticked off about what just happened. Yeah, so I, I would say so. I to the corner of the house with the weapon in my left hand and I peeked around because that's the last place I saw him um running towards... We're going to take a short break on that note. We're talking with Timothy Starrett. He is retired police officer from Forest Park, Georgia. When we return, we're going to talk about more of the incident where he was shot and about to be in career-ending injury. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Get access to free podcast versions of the show and more on Facebook. Do a search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like.
is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Return our conversation with Timothy Sterrett. Tim is a retired Forestport, Georgia police officer. He was shot in the neck in a line of duty. We're, we went to break. We're talking about that. By the way, you can get more details about Tim, other episodes of the show online at letradio.com. And be sure to sign up for our email newsletter. Tim, before we went to break, you talked about you, you pursued this guy on the porch. You were holding your neck with your right hand. You you were shot. You were angry. You got your gun in your left hand. I understand the angry part. I, I try to explain to people. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's part of the survival thing that we got going on. When people shot at me, I got so angry. I can't even begin to describe logically. I've never been that angry in my life. Uh, and part of it was... Look, you didn't know who I was, and you're trying to kill me. I didn't. That didn't make sense to me. So I could understand your anger totally. Definitely. Um, so at this point, I had uh, crawled to the corner of the house and uh, peeked around because I wanted this last place I saw him run. Um, and so when I peeked around, I didn't see him. But I was told later on that um, he was hiding behind the air conditioning unit and he was tucked into a, a ditch with a hoodie over his head and he was uh, DOA when I found him later. For, for those who don't know, DOA means dead on arrival. So the suspect had, had been shot and killed. Definitely. Okay. Um, so we had... Um, one of the CSI guys had ran over, uh, ran up to me, and uh, he said, "Stare it, let's go." And I said, "Stop! Don't touch me. Just watch my back. Let me, um, let me get out of here." And um, at this point, I was walking towards the the sound of the firing mess that was coming down the road that I heard, because luckily for me, um, our our main fire station was about one or two blocks over. So they were actually en route back to the station and coming from another call. So uh, you want to definitely talk about other things lining up correctly. That was another one for sure. Yeah. Is the EMS and fire was coming back to um, their station and it was just perfect timing. So um, I started walking down the road holding, uh, holding my neck, just... Uh, staying cool, calm, and collective. And right about this time, um, I saw one of the detectives um, was shuffling in my partner into one of the, the houses, like two or three houses down. And he was waiting for me to, to come into the house to take cover. And I just kind of shook my head and I said, no. And um, I walked directly into the, the hands of the EMS. And I told one of the EMS chiefs, I said, uh, uh, I said, Chief, can you help me out? And he goes, um, absolutely. And next thing I know, he's ripping off my uniform shirt. And um, one of the other training chiefs uh, threw some gauze pads and he starts stuffing my neck. And uh, he's trying to find an exit wound. And um, unfortunately for me, there wasn't one. So we ended up uh, uh, walking around to the back of the ambulance. And I climbed in the back of the ambulance and sat down and there was a paramedic, an EMT, and an EMT student. And they went to town getting everything set up. Um, and um, the lieutenant at the time that was in command of our 
I heard team and um, at that time coming around the back of the ambulance and said, uh, how's you doing? Uh, paramedics and EMT said uh, they were trying to get everything IV line and everything started. And uh, they were basically saying, well, if there's nothing else, I need to get him out of here. There's a um, escort that's going to take you down to Grady Memorial Hospital, which uh, here in Atlanta is our level one trauma center. So um, as we're en route, the EMT student's job was to maintain pressure on my neck um, while the paramedics and the EMT started getting lines and the meds and everything all situated. Um, now, I used to be a volunteer firefighter EMT before I jumped into law enforcement. did that for about five years up in North Georgia. So I'd been in this EMT shoes before, um, and uh, he was definitely nervous. I could see in his face. Um, so, but he was also very interested in what his partners were doing um, because of everything that was going on. So he ended up losing track of trying to maintain pressure on my neck. And so I told him, I said, dude, I said, you're slipping. I can feel you slipping off my neck. You're going to maintain pressure on my neck. And uh, he said, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, um, he said he was just nervous, and so he recorrected, and he started putting too much pressure on my neck, and uh, almost started to the point he was choking. And I was like, "Dude, don't you don't gotta choke me? Just maintain pressure on you're the neck. Kidding me? And you're, make you're... sure that you hold uh, uh, the pressure there, and to make sure that I'm not continuously bleeding." And he was just like, "I'm sorry, dude. This is the first time for me." And I said, "I get it. I've been in your shoes before," um, and so. As we're driving down the interstate, um, you know, stop and go traffic with Atlanta and whatnot. At one point, the EMS driver ends up slamming on his brakes, and um, the EMT ends up flying forward towards me. And I reach up with my left hand and I catch him, and uh, my hand goes right in the center of his chest because he was about to literally fall on top of me. And he goes, "Man, you got to worry about yourself." And I said, "Well, I can't worry about myself if I've got EMTs falling on top of me." And so we just kind of started laughing just kind of I'll break bet up you'd laugh. look i don't i don't know um, how you can keep your presence of mind for a sense of humor with that going on were, were you at any point concerned for your life thinking this might be it uh, well, that's um, a good question. That's actually my next point is um, after kind of this humor started to settle down a little bit, um, I still had my ball cap and my sunglasses on. And so I set my head back and uh, I closed my eyes for a few minutes and I said a couple prayers because I didn't know if this was going to be the last time that I was going to be um, talking to anybody or on the face of this earth again. So um, I definitely, uh, I definitely uh, said a few prayers to the higher power and uh, right about the time I finished, the paramedics, she peeks around and says, oh, no, you don't. She rips my hat off, takes my sunglasses off and says, stay awake, keep talking to me, do not go to sleep. And so, and and that's what I ended up doing for the rest of the ride to the hospital until I got to Grady Memorial Hospital. Wow. Uh, so the, um, the fight for life really continued in the ambulance. You, you, a lot of people would think we watch television, we watch movies, and the life and death stuff's on the street. And then when you hit the ambulance, you're okay. But it sounds right. to me like that's when things got really touch and go for you. It did. That's that's for me where things uh, started to set in for me a little bit. Um, and 
when I got to the emergency room, um, when I say like the entire ER staff was like all waiting on me, it was uh, that's kind of when it hit hit me a little bit that okay, you know, this is getting serious. Um, and so they rolled me into the the ER, and it was a thousand hands on me at once. And I just kept hearing, "We got to get in surgery. We got to get in surgery." Um, everybody was wanting to look at the injury, the the shooting, and they were finishing taking off the rest of my gear. Um, and from there, it was uh, less than about five maybe five to eight minutes give or take and i was being rolled up to the operating room we're gonna take a short break on that note we are talking with timothy starrett he's retired forest park georgia police officer shot in neck and when we return we're going to talk about the life and death situation he found himself in and he died multiple times and was resuscitated by the medical team this is law enforcement talk radio show don't go anywhere we'll be right back Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at hefepods.com. I want to tell you about a product, actually a line of products, that have changed my life dramatically. Health products. I know many of you, like me, are skeptical about the claims made for these nutritional supplements. However, these Juice Plus products have made a world of difference for me. The simplest, cheapest, least expensive product they have. As a result of taking it, a chewable berry-flavored product I've had full night's sleep every night and zero leg cramps. I know, doesn't seem like a lot, but getting good night's sleep and having a stable mood helps me quite a bit. You can get more details about Juice Plus products at letpops.com. That's letpops.com. And for those of you looking for a great business opportunity, check out letpops.com. Return to our conversation with Timothy Sturt on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Tim is a retired Forest Park, Georgia police officer. He was shot in the neck, severely injured before winter break. Tim is talking about being in the emergency room, all hands on deck, and then being rolled into surgery. During surgery, I imagine, is when you crashed and technically died several times. Is that appropriate? Yes, sir. Um, the... When I got into the surgery, um, the trauma surgeon uh, basically said, you know, this is not a teaching moment. This is, I got to save this officer's life moment. Uh, so he didn't let anybody scrub in or anything. Um, and from my understanding, he ended up calling his chief vascular surgeon. And between the two of them, they, uh, they originally split me from the bottom of my chin to right at the top of my chest. Um, and I kept bleeding inside from the internal chest cavity. And so they ended up having a crack in my chest. So they split me from chin all the way down to the bottom of my chest. 
and both doctors were in there pinching, tying things off, um, and just trying everything they can do to, to keep me afloat. Um, I was give or take uh, probably around six to eight hours of surgery before wow. they wheeled me out to intensive care. So you, the original point of entry was your neck, and there, I'm, I'm not a physician, but like the, there's arteries in your neck. That was an issue, but you said there wasn't an exit wound. The bullet go in and fragment and do other damage? Um, absolutely. I've still got fragments in my neck. The bullet went in, it ricocheted off my C6, C7. I've got a fusion done in my, um, and uh, that portion of my neck. Uh, it shattered my rib one, rib two on the right side of my um, shoulder, and uh, it ricocheted inside of me, like bouncing around. Um, the main slug is still, um, the main slug is in my right shoulder blade area, and I've also got a fragment in the right side of my um, intercostal space inside the lung area that causes me horrendous uh, spasms from time to time as well. How old were you when this happened? Uh, let's see, 36 now. So 30, 31 when this initially all took place. And earlier in the, in the conversation, you said that you were able to stay calm, which, you know, it, it seems according to Hollywood, they get so much wrong. When I was in the shooting situations I was in, things seemed to slow down, time slowed down. I didn't act and talk the way you think you would, uh, but that was one of the reasons why you're still alive. Obviously, uh, the, the medical team did a phenomenal job keeping you alive, and God or a higher power, whatever terminology people want to use, you said earlier, was not done with you. There's a reason why you're still here. Uh, definitely. I agree with that 100%. Your mission's not done. There's other things. And and part of it is, and I got to ask this, and I don't know what an easy way to talk about it. I was talking with one of my daughters the other day, and I, I told her, I said, look, I deal better with physical pain than I do with emotional pain. Mental pain and emotional pain is far more difficult for me to deal with. Did you have to deal with those demons as well? Absolutely. Um I um, definitely the PTSD, anxiety, uh, depression, um, and then on, on top of all the the physical pain, the nerve pain, um, and so many other stuff that I've been diagnosed with as well along the ways that I'm dealing with on a, a daily basis. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Uh, I, I, an interview I did earlier, and it, the way he described it, he's a retired police officer, said, yeah, it's like the, the, the strings on a guitar. When you hit them, they, they, they vibrate, they make noise for a long period of time, they disrupt your life. He said the strings are quiet now, but that doesn't mean they stay that way. Right. There's things I got to do. 100% right. And I'm sure there's things you have to do too, not just the physical part, we're talking about the emotional part. Um was that a difficult process for you to find, and I hate this term, your, your new center, your new normal? It, it was. Um, um, for me, uh, I'm good at suppressing things um, and just focusing on the, the now and the 
the, the, the future, I guess. Um, so, um, just like a bunch of us guys, uh, my dad always told me growing up that talking about your feelings, uh, just made you less of a man or, or, uh, he grew up in that era that emotions made you weaker and all that. So, which I know nowadays that's not the case. Um, and so it's it's been kind of hard for me a little bit as far as emotionally and uh, talking about things and to just make sure those demons don't take over. And I know this is, is mild in comparison. I don't want to sound like a comparison. I, I talked to my wife. I told you earlier, we met years after I retired from police work. I had my issues and she's very aware of them uh, and she knows how to help me help myself. But one of the things I said to her yesterday was, and I don't know why, I, I have my suspicions, but I was in a horrible mood. I was in a really sour mood, and I was at the point where I had to tell her when she came home from work, look, if I'm quiet, it's because I don't want to lash out at you. Uh, and she understands. And there's certain things I have to do. So what I'm getting at is I'm sure there are certain things you have to do to maintain some sort of peace and happiness in your household. Yep. Um, definitely. I'm, uh, I'm kind of on the same page with you is, um, when I get quiet is cause I'm, um, I'm calculating, I'm, I'm gathering the facts or I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say something without coming off of just speaking purely off of raw emotions. Um, so like in, in heated debates or situations, I will either get quiet so to where I can just, uh, analyze what I want to say and say it the right way without coming off and saying it with a slice and tongue, if that makes sense. Oh. Dude, it makes perfect sense to me. Trust me, I, I, I'm right there with you. The, the other thing I want to get at is, you know, when I get really quiet, uh, there are certain things I do. Number one, and my daughters know this, my, my wife knows this, my friends know this. When I get really quiet, it's because I need to find that center. I pray, I meditate, uh, I do deep breathing, I do all those things, and I try my best to get my mind out of that survival mode, because that's where the anger is for me, and it drives the adrenaline, all that stuff. Definitely. Definitely, I'm right there with you. All right, so we're, we're similar in that respect. What we're not similar is, and my, my injuries, Tim, pale in comparison, again, I, I hate that phrase. Uh, a guy tried to shoot me in my own service weapon while still my hand and the force of the fight. I thought I sprained my wrist. I had multiple surgeries, multiple steel plates put in my right hand. But I remember thinking, and it's, as long as I live, I'll remember this. Thought came to me that, that this guy's trying to kill me and that I'm going to die, but it won't be tonight and it won't be because of him. And I'll do whatever it takes to survive. Did you have a similar mindset? Um, I did. I definitely did. Um, and um, a lot of it came from my firing must days with the, I knew that if I were to just lay there and freak out and scream and waller that I was going to bleed out before I even got to the operating table. So um, I had my family and my friends and um, I told myself that I'm going to come home at the end of the night and by doing that. I needed to stay calm, cool, and collective. I needed to get myself out of the, the hot zone, um, and I needed to maintain and control the bleeding, and that's what I did until I got in the back of that ambulance. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk and for you to share your story. I do want to say this, that uh, I was taught early on in the academy 
that if something bad happened to you, we'd have your back. And what that really meant was if you were killed in line of duty, your family would be taken care of. If you were injured and survived, uh, you're on your own it, very quickly. Is that familiar to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, not to... Not to... Uh, pull everything out of the closet but um, if readers definitely want to get a, a little bit further dose of uh, what went down uh, with the departments after the department um, did do a fundraiser uh, for me and uh, it kind of helped get me out of debt but from that point on it was out of sight out of mind um, and the show goes on without a, you. Tim we are out of time I really appreciate your service and really thank you for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Yes, sir. I greatly appreciate the time as well. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.